What a great day to praise God. Amen. Thank you for those wonderful songs, a wonderful focus. It's great to see each and every one of you today. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're at Southgate. I hope that you've been blessed by our service up to this point. If you're looking for a church home in this community, uh, we would love for you to be with us. Uh, to the members of Southgate, I thank you for being here. And I want to offer thanks on behalf of our family and the passing of Dad. Uh, you guys have been amazing for the last week. Uh, you've loved us. You've sent us notes and cards. Uh, the meal on uh, Friday was, uh, Thursday was wonderful. You've just taken care of us in so many different ways, and we thank you for it. Uh, we've been blessed by being with you. And I'd say also over the last few years, as Dad's health declined, so many of you that visited him, uh, we're just so thankful for your love. Church family is an amazing thing. Uh, it's an important thing. It helps us through all of our different moments in time. We need each other in difficult times. I'm so thankful to be a part of this great congregation. We've got a lot of great things that are going on. Tomorrow our ladies ministry kickoff is going to be taking place. Uh, make sure to be a part of that. Uh, I think if you, if you haven't been able to do that before, our ladies do amazing things at this congregation. And I know they're, they're going to have a great kickoff this week. That's an exciting time. We've got New folks placed in membership. We've got a number of Bibles that we're going to give out. We had another baptism yesterday. Uh, so a lot of folks that have been studying, uh, want to know God better, uh, asking questions. You know what happens as you look at God's word, you see what he wants, and he wants to bless you. And we're excited uh, for what God and his word is doing in this community. We're excited about that. This morning, our new youth minister is here. Jesse Bates is here. We're going to have an official welcome for him next week, but we're so glad that Jesse's here. Got a great youth program. It's going to keep on rolling, and uh, we're glad to have him uh, starting with us. A lot of great things happening, uh, but it's a wonderful uh, time to be at Southgate. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 14. That's where our study will be this morning. I'm thankful that as the Hebrew writer tells us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Now in Hebrews 4.15, he's gonna say that he was tempted in all ways like we are yet without sin, but the idea of somebody who can sympathize with you is very powerful, isn't it? When you have somebody that you know knows sort of what's going on and, and how life can be, and I think one of the reasons that God decided is he sent his son down to earth, Jesus came and took upon himself the form of a human being. God limited himself to a human body, to a human body who would feel hunger, who would feel pain, who would have difficulties, who would sit there and deal with the brokenness of this world, who would be betrayed, who would ultimately would be killed, but he also had to deal with the things that we deal with. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You ever had one of those days? One of those weeks, one of those months, maybe you're in the middle of one of those years. Where like, yeah, I'm just having all that I can handle. Stress piles up on us. Pressure is there. Sadness, grief, all kinds of different things can come upon us. And as human beings, we're so limited and it's so difficult to figure out what exactly we can do. And as I think about that, I think of Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is having one of those days. 
Jesus is dealing with all the emotions of this world, all the, limit, uh, all the limitations of being a human being, all the worries about the future, of all the things that can happen. And Jesus, as we walk through this chapter, I hope he has some good advice for us. I've looked at four different things that I see Jesus doing in the midst of a day that is really just, uh, it's an amazing day in the life of Jesus. It starts with bad news, and we see the source of that in verse 1. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. Herod the Tetrarch is the governor. He's the man in charge of the area there around Galilee. And John the Baptist is up there. And at the time, if you look back at history, he's made a decision that he doesn't want to be with his wife anymore. He goes and visits his brother Philip. And as he visits her, he sees Herodias, his brother's wife, and says, I want to be with her. Well, John the Baptist, who we've already read about, who came and called people to repentance, he's a prophet of God, he is a great man that's come to prepare the way for Jesus, but as he sees this, he knows that as you look at God's will, there's lawful marriage and there's unlawful marriage. And what Herod is trying to do is not lawful, and John is a man who speaks truth to power. John is an individual that's not going to watch and let people do whatever. He knows that marriage, we don't get to define marriage. Government officials don't define marriage. God defines marriage. He sets the standard for that. And then as followers of him, we simply share what God has said marriage is. And as he looks at this individual that thinks he can just get out of one marriage and into the next, he says, it's not lawful for you to do that. Well, obviously that doesn't make friends. Herod wants to kill him, but Herod has a problem. He's a politician, and all these people like John, they think he's a prophet, so he's not going to kill him. But his wife Herodias, she wants his head. Well, Herod comes, and he arrests John the Baptist, and he puts him in prison. And then as you look at verse 6, uh, verse six the story continues that on Herod's birthday, he's having a big get-together, and all of these individuals are coming. And at this birthday party, Herodias, his, his, uh, the woman that's with him, come, his, her daughter comes and dances for him. She dances before the company and pleases Herod, verse 7, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Well, now he's asked this girl in front of everybody, you ask anything up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. She goes and consults with her mother. And her mother Herodias, who's been told, you have no right to be married to this person, says, I want John's head on a platter. Well, Herod's made a rash oath in front of everybody else. He can't go back on his word in front of everybody else. And he sends the executioner. He goes to the prison of a prophet of God, takes his head from his body, and it is presented to Herodias. Verse 12 says, Jesus, uh, John's disciples come and take the body and they bury it. And they went and told Jesus. Think about Jesus getting this message on this day. This is the beginning of the day. John the Baptist has been killed. He's been executed. Obviously, Jesus is dealing with a lot. As you think about what do you do whenever you're having one of those days, Jesus is going to show us some things to consider. But as you look at this, 
Jesus is dealing with the loss of a relative. You read back at the beginning, John's parents had taken his mother Mary in with them whenever she was pregnant. This is John the Baptist who had come and Isaiah had said that somebody would prepare the way for Jesus and he's paved the way for Jesus. Jesus has come to the Jordan and he was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist was teaching all kinds of people about the kingdom, but as he sees Jesus and his disciples baptizing more, John's gonna say he must increase, but I must decrease. And John has moved out of the way of Jesus as he's ascended, but now he's found out that he has been put to death. He's going through the loss of a co-worker in the kingdom. It's the end of an era of a great man. Jesus says of those born among women, there were none greater than John the Baptist. But I think on that day, it was also an unsettling reminder of what was inevitable. John was killed by a politician, by a man who took his head from him. Jesus knew why he came to earth. He knew what was eventually gonna come for him as well was the end of this life. And as John's life has ended, he's dealing with loss. He's dealing with the reality of what's happened and he has to have a picture of what has come in as well. This day is a stark reminder of the frailty of the human form, of the body that he knows one day his uh, soul will leave as well and that people are gonna eventually take his life. Well, what are some things you can do in a day like that? And I've got four suggestions for you. The first one I would say is when you're dealing with difficulties in our lives, take some time to get away. Take some time to get away. Why would I say that? Well, look at verse 13 here of Matthew chapter 14. He says, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Jesus gets the bad news, and what does he do? He doesn't want to be around a crowd. He doesn't want to be with a lot of people. He goes and gets in the boat there at the Sea of Galilee, and he takes off to be at a desolate place by himself where he can sort of get away. He would lead these crowds that were with him all the time. And as we deal with difficulties, there are times where we need to just simply get away and process our thoughts. Only really through self-reflection and assessment can we become better in difficult times. Difficult times are meant to make us stronger. We don't like discipline, we don't like hard times, but hard times help us to refocus our lives. Hard times help us to look within ourselves. But many times to let that happen in the best of ways, sometimes we simply move away and get away uh, from the crowds. We don't need to give in to every emotion, but we do need to think about them and we need to process them and we need to work through them. And rarely does that really happen in a crowded room. Jesus hears the news and says, I I need to get away. So he gets in the boat and he takes off and he goes and he tries to do that. As he's looking at this, uh, he's showing us it's not only okay, but it is good to take away from the busyness of this world at times, to recenter our thoughts and our minds. And you see that especially in times of stress and in times of grief. I think of Psalm 46 verse 10 when the writer says, just be still and know that I am God. So in the midst of this sadness, in the midst of this news, Jesus goes to get time by himself. Problem is, the crowds hear about it. Look at verse 13 and 14. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now you have to understand something about the Sea of Galilee. A lot of times when we talk about the Sea of Galilee, we think, oh, it's a big, huge sea. This is a good sized lake. Okay, 
number of miles across. Jesus is up in the northern part of that. He's there in Capernaum, and as he gets in that boat and takes off, well, if he's just heading up to a northern part where there's not much of a crowd, the people in Capernaum say, oh, there goes Jesus. They're not thinking about his problems. They're not worried about his stress or his pressures. They know that here is Jesus, and he can bless us as well. And as they see the boat go across, well, they just start a hike. And they go a number of miles, they walk around, and Jesus is thinking he's going to get his time alone, and he pulls up the shore, and there's this huge crowd of people right in front of him. So again, in the midst of this crazy day, this isn't a little crowd. We're going to see later on that there's going to be 5,000 men in this crowd, besides women and children. This isn't a little group that's coming in. This is a massive crowd of people that want to be with Jesus. He has these things he's trying to deal with. He wants to be alone. He wants to go to an isolated place, but he's unable to. Why? Because the crowds are coming to him. But he gives us another lesson I think that's important. When you don't know what to do, you still need to keep your eyes open to other people's problems. You need to help other people. Did you see what it said? He, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. You know, it's very easy to do whenever you have pressures in your life, when you've got stressors, when you have things that you're trying to deal with and, and, and life is getting too difficult and the burden seems too heavy. It's very easy to simply put on your blinders and just simply focus on yourself and not see anybody else in the world and just say, look, it's about me. It's about my problems. It's about my hardship. It's about my grief. It's about my sorrow. It's about my pain. And I'm only gonna think about me. I would suggest to you, anytime you have that line in your mouth, it's about me. That's not coming from the Lord. So easy to do, though. Jesus is overwhelmed. He just wants to be alone, but for one more day he looks out. But Jesus lifts up his eyes and he sees other people. You know what helps you in the midst of your pressure? When you think all of your pressures are the only pressures in this world, so many times you think you have it worse than everybody else, but whenever you lift up your eyes and you start looking around, you know what you usually find? Other people are facing the same pain. Other people have the same difficulty. Most of the time, you're gonna see other people that have it way worse than you are if you'll lift up your eyes. And our Savior shows us what to do. We see other people that are suffering, and he says we need to have compassion. It's easy to focus inward and to think of ourselves. But when you're overwhelmed with problems, Jesus shows us, lift up your eyes, see those in need, have compassion on them as well. Sometimes the best thing for you to do to forget about your problems is helping other people with theirs because as you start to help others, it gives you a proper perspective. And many times as I set down my burdens to come and help somebody else with theirs, when I come back to pick mine up, they're not as heavy as they used to be. But the world says, no, I'm just going to keep on worrying about me. And Jesus says, look, okay, this was not my planned day. This isn't what I was thinking I was going to be doing today, but I'm going to care for other people. And he does that. So I ask you as you face a difficult day, a good question to always ask is, who can you help today? Who's having a more difficult time? 
Who's somebody that you can write a note to or make a phone call to or make a visit to? Who's somebody else that's dealing with difficulty that you could stop for a moment and pray about them? Because as you do that, you're following the pattern of our Lord. Jesus comes and he heals the sick, but he not only heals their sick, he's also going to miraculously feed the crowd. And this is one of the stories when you see that taking place, one of the accounts of this, uh, this story. Verse 16. Jesus is there and he has all this crowd. They have all these difficulties. He's seen their pain and their sorrow and he's tried to help them. But then he turns to his disciples and he says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And his disciples look and said to him, we have five loaves and two fish. What's that going to do? Jesus is here in his day with his needs. But he says, hey, we need to take care of them. You guys take care of them. They say it's not possible. And he says, simply bring them here to me. Verse 19, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up into heaven and said a blessing. Then they broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Think about the stories that were told of that day. All that crowd that came and said, look, I saw Jesus. And as you think about how Christianity grew and people said, yes, he was the son of God. Here are thousands of people who are gonna say, I saw what he did. They didn't have anything. They had five loaves, they had two fish and they came and Jesus came and fed all of them. Think about the disciples who were given something, a command from God. It's like, hey, we'll feed all these people. And they're thinking, there's no chance. Just bring me something. Think of the ridiculousness of bringing five loaves and two fish. And like, what does this do with 10,000 people? And what does Jesus do? He makes sure everybody who thought God wasn't going to do something great had a full basket when it was over. Twelve baskets for those 12 followers. And what do they know? Believe in what the Father can do. When you have God on your side, he is going to take care of your needs and then some. They realize that when we don't have enough, God has enough for us. With God, we always end up having more than we need. Also think of that day in the life of Jesus and think, how exhausting. Could you imagine that crowd? All of those needs, all of those people, all of those miraculous healing. Now he's fed all of those people. But Jesus is always looking up to see how he can help other people well finally the time that he was looking for has come and we see it in verse 22 that at the end of this day everybody's been fed he sends these people home and it says immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds and when he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray when evening came he was there alone Jesus has the full day. He does what is necessary for the crowds that he's seen. He's tried to take care of other people's needs. And now he shows us what we need to do when we have more than we can handle. We need to spend time in prayer. Now, as Jesus goes to get away, I think this is important. Why did Jesus need to get away in isolation? Why did he need to get away by himself? It wasn't just to spend some time at the lake. It wasn't just for his own reflection, for his own enjoyment, for his own recreation. It wasn't to entertain himself or simply escape from responsibilities or just to focus on himself. He wanted to get away because as he got away, he wanted to talk with the Father. 
And as this crazy day ends from bad news to traveling to crowds to these great miracles take place, as this day ends, he finally gets to do what he wanted to do from the beginning. Pray to his Father in heaven. What does Jesus show us to contemplate in moments of pain, in moments that bring the frailty of our nature into focus? He says you need to contemplate the presence and the purpose of the Father. Jesus is there. Jesus who tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Well, that's easy to hear. It's easy to repeat. It's difficult to do. And what does it take? It takes focus. It takes a dedicated focus. Because what do we have? Jesus knew we have a devil that's always trying to take our eye off the ball. He wants us to think about our problems and what's difficult with us. He doesn't want us to think about somebody else and how we can take care of them. He wants us to keep us as busy as all get out with things that aren't good or bad. It doesn't matter to him. As long as we're too busy to see who the Father is, as long as we don't have time to stop and say a prayer, as long as we're not going to start our day or end our day with our Father, then the devil is fine. And Jesus knows what you need in the middle of those stress-filled days is a connection with the Father. We need to seek him first. Satan wants us to just focus on our pain or on our loss or on our brokenness or on the brokenness of these people around us that are causing all of these problems in my life. God wants us to focus on him. Why? Because when we speak to the Father, it focuses our mind and it steadies our heart. Think of Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6. When we saw that he said, pray just our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I don't know what Jesus was praying about that night, but he's given us some pretty good things to consider that our Father is holy. To sit there and come in the midst of any situation and say, God, I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to come in this world, and I want to seek it first. God, give me enough for today, this daily bread and he tells us to sit there and consider our own lives in reflection of God's holiness where we can thank him for forgiveness that he can help us dealing with temptation keep me away from those things well with Jesus' heart steeled by the blessings of prayer he gets up and he gives us another thing to do look at Matthew chapter 14 verse 24 through 27 But the boat by this time, these are the disciples who've been dismissed and sent across the lake, by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Try to figure out what to put on this one. Number four, sometimes you just need to take a walk. I love this picture. I love whatever was going on in Jesus' mind and taking place as he looks at it. The creator of the world knows, you know, the quickest way, point, quickest distance, shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And these guys are working on the boat and Jesus just goes, you know what? We're going to be the creator for just a little bit. 
John tells us that in John chapter one, that everything that was made was made by him. And Jesus just says, you know what, gravity, you're gonna take the time off here for a second. Physics and all the physical properties that I decided, the rules that I made, we're just gonna sort of ignore them for a little bit. And Jesus, the maker of all the waters in the world, just takes off strolling through the waves. The wind's blowing, these guys are fighting, they're working every way, and Jesus just decides that I'm gonna walk. Now the disciples are gonna see Jesus and they're gonna be afraid, they think it's a ghost, none of this makes any sense. If there were angels at the moment of creation, there's not one individual in heaven that's shocked that he's just walking on water. It's like an artist playing on his canvas. It's a creator that says, all of these things that I've made, I'm gonna simply just walk through and stroll and Jesus takes a walk. He's going through there. And again, I think it's just a sort of a beautiful picture of what is taking place. Now at this moment, I do think this is a little bit of a flex, okay? This is a little bit of, I've got power that other people don't have. I'm gonna sit here and enjoy this uh, moment. Uh, these rules are gonna have to take the night off. His disciples are amazed, uh, and he walks up. And again, as I think of all these different things he's doing, one thing that he knows is other people are watching him. People have needs, I'm gonna take care of their needs. My disciples are watching, you know there's 12 baskets left over, right guys? Now in this moment, as you're fighting against the powers of this world, they don't really even apply to me. It's a pretty beautiful picture that he wants them to know. He's trying to build their faith as to who he is. When you think about ourselves going for a walk, I'm a PE major actually, and one of the degrees I got in college. Sometimes we need to take care of ourselves. Physically, take care of yourself. Take a walk. Uh, take care of your body. Clear your mind. The mental and physical value of going on a walk shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, as Jesus was doing this, he wasn't doing it with a podcast running, with a bunch of music running. He was just walking across in the winds and the waves. He was listening to the creation. Sometimes in our lives, we need to just walk through there. And what are we going to see? We're going to see the creator. Take time to walk and to look at what he has done, to take care of the creation and making this human body and focus on him. I love to think that Jesus was communing with his creation and enjoying it, and I think we can let the creation do the same thing for us. Take care of these physical bodies, exercise, look around, and simply recognize the power of God. So the chapter ends in verse 34. We see that when he had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him all who were sick, and implored him that he might not only, that, uh, that they might only touch the fringe of his garment and as many as touched it were made well. Jesus crosses over the Sea of Galilee and now he's back to work again. He didn't get much time away because the crowds are there. And this is a very interesting story because we've seen already that he was there once before when he healed the two demon-possessed men. Whenever you see the account in Mark chapter five, you see that the crowd comes, or you see it in Matthew as well. They come and see all of these pigs floating in the lake and they say, will you get out of here? They're afraid, please leave our town. But we know something has happened because Mark chapter five, verse 19 says, he turns to one of the men who wanted to get in the boat and leave his country and come back with Jesus to the other side of the lake. Jesus says, no, you stay here. You go home and tell others what great things God has done for you. Jesus rolls up on a shore that he had been kicked out of. 
a time period before and what happens there's crowds going can you heal them can you heal them come here we want to see you we want to hear you can we just touch the hem of your garment something's happened it's been argued that one of the greater preachers in the New Testament was one of those demon-possessed men that went back and said, I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. Well, he comes back and he sees these individuals. He heals them. They're begging simply to touch him. What were they wanting to do? To just touch the Lord. And imagine those individuals that whenever they came up to Jesus and they touched him, they were physically healed. They came and were given all of these different blessings. And you can imagine the joy of them. You can imagine the joy of their families. You can imagine everybody that watches the change in their life. Their problems were gone because they had touched Jesus. All I need to do is get next to him. And I want to encourage you to think about that in your life as well. You know what's amazing about this? These people had rejected Jesus before. And now they're ready. Have you rejected Jesus? If you're here this morning and you haven't become a Christian yet, you've been keeping him at arm's length. You haven't accepted him. You've maybe seen some things and you've asked him to move on. Up to this point, you've rejected him. You know what Jesus does with those who reject him? He comes back says how about today that crowd that has sent him back across the lake are now there and he's allowing them to come and he is healing their problems and he's taking care of their needs because he comes back he wants them to know the invitation to be with Jesus is still open he wants to make people well and I want to remind you today that Jesus' power is not abated. His desire to help us today, this morning, is no less. He's waiting for those who have needs to come to him for rest. What do you need to do when life is out of control? You need to come to the one who came in order to make you well. What are your needs this morning? Whatever your needs are, know that in this life we can't handle it ourselves. We need the Lord for strength we need the Lord for power we need the Lord for forgiveness and he is opened in his invitation to you are you ready to be blessed know that nothing gets over your head if you're in the hands of the Lord if you're walking with God he's going to take care of those problems he's going to help you get through those storms he's going to give you strength for the day but you've got to accept him are you ready to do it it's exciting these waters were stirred yesterday and we can do it again today maybe you need to talk some more we need to continue to have studies we have all kinds of people who would love to to walk through you just grab me say John I need to talk we need to study this week we'll make it happen we will get people with you to get you right with the Lord Jesus wants you to come I invite you to as we stand and as we sing